Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back. 106 in Edmonton at uh, 120. We're going to bust off to a provincial press conference that's taking place up in Fort McMurray where they're dealing with the flooding, ongoing COVID-19 pandemic coverage all day on 630 Chen and on Global News. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex who wish you and yours all the best during these challenging, uncertain times. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can uh, text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, providing winning results for 35 years. Every Thursday, Sportsnet's Brian Burke joins us courtesy of Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction, electrical prefabrication and solar and we are pleased to be joined on the river Cree resort and casino hotline by brian burke brian how are you good bob how are you good louis look total curveball uh you have been to the six school or six floor uh books uh depository in dallas texas is that correct correct so to me i mean louis myself just had the discussion and I know CBS in the early 70s had the eight sharpshooters attempt to pull off the three shots in 5.8 seconds. Kind of makes a guy think, doesn't it, or does it? What do you think? Uh, I'm not I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist generally. I generally accept the explanations that are offered, and it's, that makes sense. So I, I just I thought it was a – I had to go see it when I was in Dallas one time because yep. it's such a tremendous loss for the country. Yeah. And he, he really was a pretty special guy and had some different perspectives on maybe how things should operate moving forward. We all, and I'm going to tie this into something because, you know, when the Edmonton Oilers took Neil Yakupov, there were stories out there, well, you know, uh, the scouts got overruled. And uh, I know you told a story in the past about Neil being one of the worst interviews your staff had ever seen. Uh, I had another gentleman who was a GM of a team that was drafting in that range that said the exact same thing and and lo and behold you got the guy that I think Craig McTavish wanted to go if the orders were going to draft a D Morgan Riley and so what was it about Morgan Riley that uh, had the Maple Leafs so sold on him and what was it about Neil Yakupov that made you think there was no way we're going near this guy well he's Neil Yakupov shut it down pretty good in the playoffs that year and we all went to watch him and Coach didn't have a good strategy on using him, but they just shut it down. And um, his interview was the worst interview, not one of the worst interviews, the worst interview I've ever had at the draft. And with Morgan Riley, I give our scouts credit. I don't take any credit for that pick. They uh, they liked him. He broke his leg. He hurt his knee that year and did not play from very early in the season till the last little bit. And so we had we had three and four guys at every one of his games at the end. And everyone did. Like, it wasn't just us. No one had seen him play all year. So you'd have teams there with six guys. Six guys off their staff watching one guy, one player. So I had our video guy break down every shift he played that year. I watched them all twice. So I saw every single shift he played that year, watched him twice. But, again, I give our scouts the credit, not me. And we had him rated number one. 
You know, uh, we had Craig Button on our show that year, and he was all over Nail. Uh, he was a big fan of Nails. I will tell you, Brian, that hosting and I, you know, the, the show moved from one station to another because of the rights deal. But I, I, I will tell you point blank, for our fans, there was more consensus on taking Yakupov than there was on taking Hall or Nugent Hopkins in the two previous years. Um and it didn't. It did not come to fruition. That's. It, it was pretty interesting. It just go. And you've always said, and you've said this often, it's a crapshoot. But the dismissiveness that uh, that maybe Nail had a bit. That was one of the comments that I heard from another one of the general managers in the league was, Bob. Like he was like, "Why are you even talking to me? You're not going to get me. Uh, I'm going to be gone by then." Is that something that maybe occurred in your guys' conversations? Yeah. He. He just. He was. He could have cared less. Like, we were picking fifth. He was bored. He, he, he was confident he wouldn't be there for us at five. I, I, I hated the whole interview, but John Lilly was one of our amateur scouts, and I thought John was going to actually physically punch him. He got so <laughs> mad at him. So uh, I remember drafting uh, this draft year, um, Tom Va- Tommy Vanek. I remember he came in for his interview, and we were picking, like, tenth. And he was sitting back, just bored to tears, like, guys, you're picking a 10. I ain't going to be there. And finally, I yapped at him. I said, hey, sit up. Pay attention. If you know anything about me, you know I move up if I like a guy. I've done it twice. Start paying attention. And then he actually was a great interview. Once he took it seriously, I actually like him a lot. But uh, I had to snap at him to get him to pay attention. Brian, I know you often talk about the fact that the game has changed. And I like a certain type of player. Like, as a kid, well, not a kid, but, you know, when I was 16 and and playing Southside Athletic Club, I tried to emulate Mark Messier. I'm an Edmontonian that really liked Eric Lindros. I liked Gordie Howe. Uh, and some would say you can't put Howe and Lindros together. I think you can because for about five years, I think Eric was the best player in the game. Do we have guys like that anymore? that are that good and that intimidating the way Gordy was, the way Mark Messier was, the way Eric was? Not at that level. The, the one guy I would say is not at that level, but plays that type of game, probably not that gifted offensively yet at this point is Tom Wilson. But he's got great feet for a big man. He gets around really quick. Um, he's really hostile, really belligerent. I really like him. Uh, but he's not in that offensive category with those guys. By the time you started to work for the league, had Mark settled down a bit? Because some of the stuff he did in the 80s was, <laughs> I mean, he'd be suspended for five, ten games at a time now. Well, I remember he speared Richie Sutter in the mouth in, in uh, Vancouver one night. He got four games for that. You get 25 for it now. Richie hit him, and he just turned and messed, speared him right in the mouth. So he had to scrape black tape off the roof of his mouth. And Rich Sutter, four front teeth. Rich Sutter might be listening to the show as we speak, and if anybody deserved it, it was probably Rich Sutter. <laughs> well, he sent me a note afterwards that he responded next time that we played Edmonton. He, he got messed with a two-hander and put him out of the game, I think, and then tried to fight him too. So the Sutters are all the same. They're just great kids. They're just they don't I, know any other way to go with the pedal to the floor. I can't believe how big a guy's Brian Sutter fought because you know what, Brian is not a like, he's not a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound guy, and he fought a lot of other teams, uh, light heavyweights and heavyweight. And I would call Brian Sutter probably a, a middleweight to a light heavyweight. He was, to me, he was the toughest of the Sutters. 
Yeah, he was. No question about it. And um, you're right, he fought out of his weight class all the time. Um, I think Gary Howard from that era did the same thing. For a little guy, he fought all these big guys, George McPhee. But there were some guys, and Brian Sutter, I think one year Brian Sutter had 39 goals and 29 fights. I mean, something crazy. Uh, but what a family. And I've gotten to know over the years, done a couple of things up in Innisfail with Brian, with his, with his senior team. Uh, what a family. What what an amazing group of boys. Do you know what you call a guy that never makes it out of Innisfail? No. A, an Innisfailure. <laughs> all, right, all right, we're joined by uh, Brian Burke. I got a lot of time for the Sutters as well. Uh, you know, and it, but it's interesting because none of them ever played for the Edmonton Oilers. That is. And we ended up having Dwayne Sutter, obviously, scout for Edmonton under Steve Tamalini. You mentioned George McPhee. Did you guys have the toughest management team of all time in Vancouver under Pat Quinn? Well, I didn't work with George. He took my job. But I would say you put Pat and George McPhee up against any GM and assistant gym, and I think I'm betting on the Irishman. Um, because Pat was so tough and so big, and George was a little guy but fought everybody. So I, I think uh, I think we were pretty formidable ourselves, me and Pat, but I think uh, George probably brought it up a notch when he went there. Ricky Lee might have been in the mix as well. We're joined by uh, Brian Burke. Brian, uh, I know you're from the show-me state on this. You think it's going to be very challenging to do. Uh, in terms of the NHL getting back, I know there was a release yesterday from the league on phase, the potential of a phase two. Uh, Louis just brought up the players have been off the ice now for seven weeks. Does that make it in- increasingly harder as well? Well, I, I get very frustrated with with uh, some of the things that we're talking about on radio. I don't, I don't think we're focused on, is it ideal? No. Can, can they come back in 94, 95? I think they had eight days to training camp after a, lot, a prolonged lockout. There you go. So people are saying they need three weeks. They don't need three weeks. We'd like three weeks. We'd, in an ideal world, we'd have three weeks. But they got to start putting these priorities on a guillotine, in my mind. So number one priority, perfect world. We finish the regular season. We allow 20 teams into the playoffs. Uh, if we, sorry, we finish the regular season. If we can't, so we, okay, the first casualty is the regular season. Now we're going to expand the playoffs to give those teams that were nipping at the heels of the other teams a chance. Can't do that? Okay, then we're going to go with 16 best teams based on winning percentage like we've always done. Can't do that? We'll go with eight or we'll go to shorter first round. We have to get this to something. I don't think fewer than eight teams is a legitimate cup. That's three rounds. Right. But as the calendar marches along, we have to start – realizing what our priorities are. The priority should be to somehow award a Stanley Cup champion in a legitimate fashion, and that's that's my goal. The rest of it, I, I don't think people have any idea that the damage we're coming back to financially on this. Well, you reiterate that, that point every third, and I, 100%. I mean, you're going to have owners, Brian. Like, we all know that we're coming back this year. If we're fortuitous enough to come back, there's no fans. We have owners that don't want to play next year unless they're fans. Is that correct? Yep. Well, that makes things challenging for a startup for next season, wouldn't you think? And I, I just look at unemployment in the U.S. is at a, at a record. Alberta's a, a shambles economically. Like, I'm just, and I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I actually think we're going to get through this and we'll be fine. I believe in pro sports. I believe they're important there to people. But I don't think it's going to be a quick recovery. It's not a light switch on the wall. 
and they're going to have some bleeding. Like I talked to one GM the other day, said so they'll have thirty percent renewals in their season tickets if they're lucky. Wow. Yeah, that's oh man, that's tough, tough stuff. Brian, uh, we got to head off to. We've got a as you know, there's been flooding in Fort McMurray. They've just been pounded up there over the last five years. The fires uh, four years ago. Thank you again for joining us on Oilers Now. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You bet. That is Brian Burke. Uh, Brendan, give me the word. It's uh, one eighteen in Edmonton. Uh, have we got things started yet? Nope, just uh, in preamble stage here, Bob. We still got okay. A well, let's do this while we have a moment. We'll tell you Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin focused on your health and peace of mind. Proud to be a part of Ford Canada's Built to Lend a Hand program, helping their customers through these difficult times. Committed to social responsibility, safety, and supporting their valued clients through flexible financing, online sales and support, and even delivery with mobile service. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, where cars cost less, can help Built to lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visiting brentridge.com. You can tell Uncle Bill, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at brentridge.com that Oilers Now sent you. We'll take a time out. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.